Hello and welcome to the Suburbanites Podcast, the podcast where suburban guys talk about things that don't really matter. I'm Connor. I'm Jimbo. I'm Jack. And today we're going to talk about the best storytelling across a bunch of mediums. Yeah. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to all the listeners. Can I say one thing about Star Wars that's like just a tiny little thing? So Yeah, um, for... We're going to be having a uh, giant six, five-man Star Wars podcast uh, coming out soon. We're going to be recording it, and it'll be on YouTube. Are we replacing so. something? Uh, uh, I don't know. No one can replace something. That's yeah. true. What are you going to say, Jim? I was going to say that I don't think a single person who held Anakin's lightsaber in that movie turned it on right. <laughs> they mean, all pressed the wrong button. I mean, it, went, it, it or, came out. And... Or didn't press the like any buttons at all. So, Can we say that? Is that a spoiler? That Anakin's lightsaber is in the movie? Hey. No one cares. Is that? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, cut it's it, cut weeks, it out to be safe, but it's like two weeks by, yeah. right? I don't know. I'll bring it back up on the, on the Star Wars podcast. Yeah, because we're, that's why we're not really talking about Star Wars all that much. I had it as my film of the week last week, but other than that, we're just kind of laying off until the the big podcast where we can get all of our I was wondering out. that though like when I saw him press the button and like I never knew that was the button like yeah. I, I had never actually seen what they pressed like I saw their hand move but like I never knew that wasn't so. the right button yeah I have <laughs> to go back them on blast right now <laughs> storm out of the theater there's like there's like a like a long that's what I thought I thought it was like button. you pushed it up like no, 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 you now? just press that You press in, the rectangular but one. He was, like, pressing a screw on top or, like... Yeah, it just looked like a very small button. I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I never saw that one before. But, uh... I don't know. They just didn't do it right. Mm. All right, is this is all getting cut? Huh? Is no, I mean, I, I might keep this in. Okay. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I just thought it was really funny because I was, like, watching. I was like, that's not the right button. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen, like, the Clone Wars and stuff, you're just <laughs> like, nah. Really, that's incorrect. <laughs> the one incorrect thing in the movie and Jim's like... I gotcha. Uh-uh. What are the other ones used for? Because there are other things on I think there. they're actually just, like, screws and, like... So, like, the rectangle thing is, a like, in the second I always thought the rectangle the... thing was the button. That was I always, thought that, that was, was the, the button. button. That's the button. It's huge. They didn't, they okay. didn't touch it. That's That was the button on all, like, the toy lightsabers. Right. That, yeah. came, that came with the, uh, from, like, Toys R Us and stuff. Yeah, then what are the... Because it's such a simple thing. Like, you only need one button. Yeah. And I don't know what the other ones are for. I don't know, man. Certainly I'm no not Jedi. turning on the lightsaber. <laughs> it's not like he has like eight different buttons on the on the fucking hilt. Yeah, exactly. What are you gonna do with them? I, I don't know. Hmm. Turn on and off your lightsaber faster than ever. <laughs> it's definitely it. It's definitely a self destruct lightsaber button. <laughs> anyway, before we get into uh, the best forms of storytelling, we're going to be delving into our segments for the week, uh, including film of the week and WTF news of the week. So, starting with film of the week. We here at the Suburbanites, we watch a lot of movies every week, and we like to recommend one of them to you. Jack, what was your film of the week? Oh. Yeah. All right. See how it is. Are you ready? You were going to... You were going to... It was going to be passed to you at some point, Jack. I don't know. I told you that I was having trouble choosing Jim, what was your film of the week? Um... Oh, Yeah. So, I could either choose from Star Wars or Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, did you just see it's that? Tough decision. No, I watched it for the fourth time. Oh, okay. And I think it's, it's already been my, my film of the week in like, a past podcast. Hmm. So, I'll, I'll choose Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be mad. I watched it with my parents. And, okay, so, most people describe the movie Mad Max Fury Road as, like, basically like a two-hour action movie. 
like one action sequence with like very little like um like being slower mm-hmm. and i turned to look at my mom like 20 minutes in the movie fast asleep ah and it's like the you know like the part where like they're initially like turning away um from gas town and there's yeah. just like trucks everywhere yeah. and my mom just like yeah. i'm like cool mom uh <laughs> And then, like, halfway through the movie, we paused it, and I was like, Mom, do you like this movie at all? And she just looks at me, and she just shakes her head no. And I'm like, all right. It's not for everybody. No. It's not for everybody. My dad was like, I like the 30 seconds of, like, slow slowness before it goes back to action. I was like, yeah, Dad, that's called pacing. <laughs> Welcome to film. Mm. So, Jack, what was your film of the week? Uh, I guess I'll go um, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Okay. The Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Stewart and Doris Day. Is aren't like most Alfred Hitchcock movies starring Jimmy Stewart? Yeah, yeah. pretty much seventy percent of them. Okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was really good. It was basically Hitchcock's version of Taken, and it's a uh, far <laughs> superior. Um, Is it? Wow. Yes. Damn. Put Luke Besson on blast I know, right now. Exactly coming at you. But uh, no, it was really good. Uh, you could kind of tell why he's called the Master of Suspense. There was this really there was this one scene that I think everybody should see. Uh, near the end of it. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much. It's about uh, a couple, Jimmy Stewart and Doris Day, and they get involved in this sort of, like, assassination attempt by accident, and they need to, like, kind of foil it, and then their kid gets kidnapped, and that's all I'll, Rough. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Rough time for Jimmy Stewart. Sounds like Jimmy Stewart's got, got it all going downhill. Yeah. It's not looking up. <laughs> it's a tough time getting that thought out, huh? <laughs> I think my brain's halfway dead. So, can I put you on blast real quick? Yeah, go for it. So, <laughs> everybody needs to know why Jim just screwed up that thought. Yeah. So I, I was like, hey guys, you want to record the podcast at one? Yeah. One and everybody was good. like, everybody was like, yeah, sounds sounds good. Yeah, that's actually what I you texted said, me. Sounds good. Said, sounds good. <laughs> Jack says, yeah, that's great. And so Jack gets here at like twelve fifty-five. Oh well, good for Jack. Yeah, punctual. Oh, yeah. Nice. And uh, it's one ten, and Jim's not here. And I'm mm. like, oh well, uh. I'll give him a call. Well, first I'll text him to make sure he's on his way, but then then I'll give him a call. And I was like, he's definitely sleeping. Yeah, I was definitely asleep. <laughs> you're so it rang like five times, and I'm like, then you picked it up. And you're like, yeah, Jim was sleeping. I saw your, I saw like um you calling. I was like, oh my god, what? And I looked at the time. It was one eleven. I was like, oh my god, no. And then I was like, okay, sound as awake as possible. And I picked up. That's always the thing. How how do you think you can try to sound awake, but you're, it's never it gonna. never works. No. They can always tell. Um, Poor Jim. So my sleep schedule is a little fucked up because <laughs> I was supposed to go. I uh, was trying to see a matinee showing of Star Wars. Me and Sadicha. Yeah. And we were gonna go see a movie at eleven thirty, but she was gonna pick me up at ten in the morning. Yeah. Okay. And it was like six in the morning when like I was like, okay, now I could sleep, and I was like, <laughs> I'm. It's too late now. I have to ride this out. Like, I have to stay awake all night because I'm going to sleep sleep through my alarm. Hmm. And then, so yeah, I didn't sleep that night. And I was, like, fucked up when I went to go see Star Wars. <laughs> and, that uh, sucks. Yeah. Now I'm still fucked up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Poor Jim. Yeah, fun times. Yeah, really fun. So you're super hungover, is what you're yep. saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <clears throat> I had a thought and I lost it. Um, film of the week. Yes, film of the week. Uh, my film of the week this week is The Big Short. 
it's the it's a film that came out in theaters this week, starring Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, uh, Brad Pitt, and Christian Bale, and it's a Wall Street movie, and it's better than The Wolf of Wall Street. Really? Yes, that was uh, a good movie. High claims. I know it's a high claim. I really liked Wolf of Wall Street, but something that this movie did that was really cool. You know, in The Wolf of Wall Street, when Jordan Belfort is walking through his giant empire of people and he's explaining penny stocks to the viewer and he gets halfway through explaining penny stocks to the viewer and he goes you know what who gives a shit you you don't care like and stuff like that Mm -hmm. really works for the theme of the movie but i personally would have really liked him to explain penny stocks (laughs) that's just me and i understand why they did it and it's conscious to the theme of the movie and stuff the big short totally does not do that they go into detail about ever about everything that happened with the housing crisis why it happened but instead of like being super dry and explaining it, there's more fourth wall breaking. Ryan Gosling is like, he's the narrator. He's like, so we know that you're probably not going to understand this. So here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub <laughs> <laughs> that will explain to you why this housing crisis happened. That's amazing. <laughs> and then they would, and it's like, here's Selena Gomez playing poker as a metaphor for how the housing crisis came to be. Yeah. yeah. And so- Chef Anthony Bourdain <laughs> explaining what. <laughs> Uh, again, how the housing market came to be. So and, you just preferred the tone of this movie to Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, and it kind of works for the theme because the theme of the one of the themes of the Big Short is that the the greedy Wall Street people are stupid. They're yeah, they're yeah. dumb. Like they let it get out of hand to the point that it did, and and so they're like they they go out on record and saying like they these wall street people are stupid they they just seem like they're smarter than you by using big terms and so we're going to break it down and put you on their level to show that they really are stupid we're yeah. going to make the viewer know everything that they know to show the viewer how stupid they were being <laughs> and it works really well yeah that's really cool but yeah it's a wall street movie about the uh the housing crisis in 2008 and the people that predicted it and nobody listened to them <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i guess it was too far gone at that point like, yeah but it was really good. Go see it. Yeah, yeah. no, I was on the fence about it, but now I, uh, I want to go see it. Definitely Margot check it Robbie's out. In it, so. Margot Robbie's in a bathtub drinking champagne. That's all you need. Like, after that, I was like, I'm going to see it. Like, <laughs> That's what makes a good movie, actually. <laughs> exactly. You could have just said that. Wasn't yeah. Margot Robbie in Wolf of Wall Street, too? Yep, she was. Yeah, she was the one. She was really in Wolf of Wall Street. But um, uh, that's beside the point. So <laughs> I suppose that'll conclude our film of the week segment. Yeah. Let's move on to WTF News of the Week. All right. you guys, do you guys? Oh well, I should explain it. I always forget to explain it. Yeah. Uh, WTF News of the Week. We are frequent users of the interwebs here at the Suburbanites Podcast, and every week we like to bring to you some news that made us say, "WTF." Stop it. I know. I should <laughs> do that that. every week. It never works. Almost every week. That's not a good idea. Do you guys no. have WTF News of the Week? No. I I actually have a, a small WTF. Go for it. Today. I was on my way over here, and I had the radio on, as I do. Uh, as you do. So uh, it was in between songs, and the, um, the radio person uh, said, like, oh, this is our the next song for our songs. You make out to... Uh, what? <laughs> like that. I'm like, this is kind of weird. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear it, because I was curious. I'm like, what do you... What do people Jack make out to? Jack looked to his shotgun seat and realized there was nobody there and started crying. <laughs> Thanks for actually saying the wept. truth. But but anyway, the song that came on was uh, "Creep" by Radiohead. What? And um, I was just very 
Do you again, want to just like cry while you're making out? Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I was just like, again, I've never like made out to a song really, but like, I really wouldn't. Not think, even a creep. Not even a creep one. <laughs> no. Okay, but like, I really don't think that's the one. Maybe I'm wrong. But, no, like, you're wrong. You're 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 not wrong. Jack. Yeah, like, <laughs> I thought you I, said I was wrong. For <laughs> you're <a second>. wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, no, Tom, not something I want in my ears as I'm making out with somebody. Yeah, I feel like it sets like the wrong mood. But uh, anyway, that's my WTF. Why, why are you listening to Creep? Yeah. Listening to like Creep? as much as I... That's the wrong environment to listen to it. Yeah. Most certainly. Yeah. So my WTF News of the Week this week. Did you guys see happen to see the Macaulay Culkin thing? Nope. <laughs> did you hear about it? No. So he made a video with this online uh, company. I, I forget the name of the company. But he reprises his role as uh, Kevin from Home Alone. Hmm. But, like, as a weird-looking adult. Yep. <laughs> and he completely no goes with that. He's – Kevin is, like, completely screwed up in the in the short. Oh, that's so funny. <clears throat> yeah. Because his parents like, kept leaving him? Exactly. Yeah. He's like, Christmas Day, <laughs> you wake up, and your parents are gone. <laughs> it's so good. Did it's it ha- so great. Did it happen three times or just two? Two, because then Two. the third was yeah. a random kid. The third oh, was yeah. not Macaulay Culkin. The third one Rando. sucks. Third regard. one is great. It's not. I will it's defend really the third one until the day I die. I really don't understand. Like, you have okay taste in movies, but that's just horrible. <laughs> I love Apollo 3. It's really, like, mind I get the feeling you guys have discussed this a lot. Somewhat, A yeah. decent amount. It just ends up, like, in a screaming match, yeah. and nobody says anything productive. I like to like, imagine every conversation you guys have is just, like, really awkward, because you know it has to get to Home Alone 3 at some <laughs> point. <laughs> it's like the, uh, that, that subreddit that's, like, clicks to Hitler or something. <laughs> yeah. You know that? Where it's, like, they go on Wikipedia and see how many times they can, it, how many like clicks it takes. Like, from different starting points? Yeah. And it's like, just, like, like that's Jello a, pudding. Yeah. How many clicks does it take to get to Hitler? Jackson and I, Jack and I was like, how Home many sentences until Home Alone 3? Yeah, and it's usually very few. Yeah, yep. it's like five. Exactly. It's just like clicks for Hitler. It yeah. can just be a glance, too. Like He just like looks at me, and I'm like, why do you like Home Alone 3? <laughs> anyway. Like, they try to avoid each other as much as possible on the UMass Amherst campus, and exactly. then, like, sometimes they'll just, by accident, cross each other, yep. and Jack will be like, fuck, my day's ruined. <laughs> I know. Honestly, we do that a lot. <laughs> we just, do see each other a lot. Yeah, and we're like, god damn it. <laughs> But no, you say that. I'm a cheerful person, Jack. I and every time I cross it. your path, you're always like, "Oh, yeah, you ru- you ruin my day." That's not a joke. He actually does. Like that. I'm having a great I day, and then it's just darkness. I don't want to see anyone I know. Rice? Yeah. Don't understand. Did you say that. rice? Right. Okay. Rice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so at the end of the well, I'm actually I'm not going to spoil the end of the video. It's really like screwed up, but it's hilarious in a screwed up way. Yeah, I want to see it. And then after the end of the video, um. One of the wet bandits, Marv, I think, not Joe Pesci's character. Oh, man, I wanted Joe Pesci to come back. He made a video response to it in character (laughs) as Marv saying, like, the kid's coming for us, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, they had gone, like, the wet bandits had gone crazy and they were just, like, waiting for. Well, it's based on the end of the video. Okay. Uh, based based on the end of Macaulay Culkin's video. All right. But it's, it's so funny how he made, like, a webcam video in response to it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Is he, like, super old now? He looks the exact same. Oh, he looks really? just as he did in the... Uh, he's got gray hair and, like, a beard, but he still looks the exact same. That's awesome. really funny. Yeah. But it was it was super funny and very, very cool how they got the other stars in on it hmm. unintentionally. 
but the WTF news comes from the fact that the video is super screwed up in the first place. So go watch it. It's it's really good. So that'll conclude our segments for this week. So do you guys want to uh, move on to our discussion at this point? Yeah. Oh, right. So what is the best storytelling over movies and TV and video games and books? I'm going to leave books to you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mostly wrote down stuff for video games. Yeah, I wrote down stuff mostly stuff for movies. I didn't okay. write anything down. <laughs> God damn it, Jack! It's all up in uh, the noggin. All right, if you say on the road anywhere on this list, I'm I'll not. Beat I you know. I knew okay. you guys were on, so I was like, I, won't, I don't. I haven't read on the road, Jack. I don't know. I don't want to talk to you about on the road. Like it's just gonna frustrate me. So like, I really don't want you to read. This I know book. that Kristen Stewart was in the movie. <laughs> no, the movie is awful. That is an example of poor storytelling and poor adaptation work and but i'm not going to get into that okay we'll have a discussion about adaptations and i'm gonna fucking wreck that movie yeah but uh also the book thief movie I didn't. oh it was so sad at the end i've never read the book but i can understand yeah but like yeah but okay so we're talking about good movies and stuff yeah, right? we're talking about good storytelling <laughs> yeah. um like let's talk about movies first okay i had uh i kind of went off the norm and did movies that told a story in an interesting way like their narrative was. yeah that's my um that was my question to you kind of good storytelling like it's sort of vague like what do you mean like the way they present a story or the story itself or like i mean i kind of did both uh, yeah. yeah it doesn't really matter because like we're okay. having a conversation right jack <laughs> okay yeah fine all right <laughs> fuck me then <laughs> back to good storytelling so yeah i i chose movies that told a really good story but differed from the norm in terms of traditional narrative yep (laughs) you got it memento was the first thing i wrote down well i mean what more what memento is like the quintessential taking a narrative and like serving it in a different way in order to why why are you looking at me like that jack (laughs) (laughs) you're just so satisfied with yourself you can see it coming. It's like one of my favorite like, movies. Like, when you said storytelling, I'm like, he's just going to talk about yeah, Memento. The whole it's going to be Memento. First thing. <laughs> but the way that he chronologically <laughs> dissects the movie and then the uses characters. black and white, <laughs> uses black and white, or uses color. <laughs> I'm so trying like, here. On the same vein, uh, would um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind be on your list? I haven't seen it, yeah. so don't spoil it. But uh, Watch the movie i will it's like the reason i can't talk to you about things it's told out of order like memento i haven't okay. seen memento either but you, you haven't know. seen memento what no. i really like about um eternal sunshine is uh it's like he explores his own head and it's like i like when he talks to uh clementine like yeah. in his head that's his version right of her but it's like really him talking to him yeah and i just really like he's exploring himself it's like, like in a very interesting way. Yeah, it's super interesting, like the way they like dissect how your own brain works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And like I was talking to somebody else about this, and it's like he explores all these different emotions of himself. Like he goes through like shame, embarrassment, yeah, um, like anger, depression, right, like, all in this very interesting way. And along the way, he's just it's mapping out this very simple story of a breakup. Yeah, and I think it's very well done. Yeah, it is extremely well done. It's That's really a really good movie. Done. Yeah, I, I need to see it. I, I It's been on my list forever, and I really want to yeah. check it out. And also, that's a great example of how a medium works to tell a story, too, because I like how they switch, like, memories, and, like, they 
find different ways that aren't even CGI or anything like that. They don't even really play with the camera as much as they play with the uh, the setting itself. Right. To sort of like transfer himself over to one memory to the other or like one part of his brain to the next. That's one of those things that's like um <clears throat> trying to like describe something that's like super subjective and like something that like you you can only tell from your own experience. Exactly. And it's very hard to it's a thing that's very hard to explain. Yeah. Too. And they're able to do it relatively well, yeah. so it's yeah that's that was really that's what like made me love that movie is uh near the end when he starts talking to clementine in his head yeah i just thought that was such a genius thing because he, he's talking to himself and i like really i like that and it's like him curing himself right and i think that's sort of like part of the message of it it's just like this is an experience you just have to go through yeah uh and you really shouldn't avoid but uh, no, I really I think that's a really great example of story. Yeah. And I'm gonna watch that when I get home. <laughs> the, all by the time. But, uh, yeah. Probably I gonna think, go. Right. I think like that. That's interesting in that it works like for the story. I guess mm-hmm. like the way they dissect the anatomy of the brain works really well for the story. Mm-hmm. In the same way, like I was gonna bring it back to Memento, but I can bring it back in the way that Memento works because they're attacking a noir genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't take another story and stick it in a, in a memento format and yeah. expect it to work. Yeah. Like, the way the story progresses works because of the story itself, kind right. of. Right. It's an interesting way to take uh, noir and, like, detective uh, kind of, not detective, but mystery uh, yeah. sort of novels because you always need to, like, that's why with, like, 50s uh, detective fiction or anything like that, you you're in the detective's head or you're following yeah. the detective because he doesn't know anything. And so it's just, that's another very interesting way. Yeah. And you're of, in just like that. You're in the person's head, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, he actually doesn't know anything exactly. because yeah. he has a disorder. Yeah. And that's the thing about mystery novels. You need to have some limitations of yeah. uh, like, that's why first person narration is so common in, in detective fiction is because you're given a limited point of view Yeah, and you're given even more limited point of view in Memento where he literally doesn't even know his own yeah and i think it's really cool how as the story regresses it progresses at the same time i think i think that's just so genius that that's why i love memento but we should not talk about memento for this entire discussion <laughs> even though i could like any of these movies and stories that we're talking about we could do a whole discussion oh yeah and i think that's why this is so hard but yeah i also had um vantage point Good discussion. Uh, let's move Bond? on. <laughs> I put vantage point on there because that is a failed attempt. At... What, a great what the fuck even is vantage point? You don't know vantage point? No. Dennis Quaid. And oh, Whitaker. it's going in the link dump. <laughs> it's so good. The trailer is going in the link dump. Okay. Horrible. Horrible movie. First movie I ever saw on a date, and it was uh, it was terrible. Yeah. So. Dude, it's not Kung Fu Panda too, but that's <laughs> else So. It takes place around the assassination of some person okay. in this in this largely populated area, and what it does is actually really cool for story and like an idea of storytelling. The writing didn't back it up at all, and it got really annoying because there there are multiple perspectives whether they're filming or viewing the event, okay. and so they have the event transpire from one perspective. They go back in time and do it from another perspective, and the story gradually unfolds as you view more of the perspectives. Sounds really cool. Yeah. Didn't work at all. Okay. <laughs> don't watch the movie. You don't think I should go watch Vantage Point now? No. Okay. Don't watch Vantage Point. But that's an example of like a really cool idea. That's actually been done in uh, literature. I have not read them yet, but I've, I've heard of these novels. It's a, a set of four 
and it literally it takes the same story but it just each novel is from another character's perspective and they're like each 400 pages long but that's, that's interesting another example of that kind of storytelling they do that a little bit in dracula where like they'll have like an event and they'll like describe it through one person's perspective and then they'll like go back and describe it again because mm-hmm. it's like just t- the story is just being like journals or like recording like um you know their own thoughts yeah and so that's kind of an interesting yeah I'm, i'll put dragula on there for Drag- it yeah. yeah all right yeah do it book i also had um uh primer 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 so I, I that's another movie i could talk about till the day i die yeah um the movie's sure of, of the story it wants to tell, but the audience is completely unsure of where you are chronologically and spatially as well because you don't know the of the people you're seeing because it's a time travel movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, very advanced, mm-hmm. crazy movie. Go see Primer if you haven't. <laughs> so, yeah, I, Primer, uh, crazy, awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. I was going to, yeah, I was going to bring Pulp Fiction. That's yeah. great. Um. I was going to say, uh, sound like a broken record, but, uh, Salinger, uh, I think he deserves a spot here just cause I think he's the master of dialogue, like yeah, all around. And the thing he does uh, really well is he's able to convey information without actually saying anything. Uh, so like, um, during most of his stories are just two people having a conversation. Uh, not much is said really. It's just like, Hey, How's it going? Yeah. But uh, he, he, he does this cool thing where he, he breaks off and he has characters continuously interrupt each other before they're about to say something important. Oh, okay. But then, like, through those breaks, you actually learn more than, like, if they were able to say anything. And I think that's just, it's really good storytelling where it's just, he's not simply telling you something. He's actually showing you. He's through, like, characters' actions, reactions, and just even, like, breaks. He doesn't like question your intelligence as a viewer. He's just like, you'll you'll understand this. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. If I give you all the pieces, you can put this together. Yeah, and I, I just thought, like, when I first read one of his stories, I thought, like, I never knew a person could do that. Yeah. It was so interesting. That is super interesting. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, I can actually contribute to a literature discussion. <laughs> that reminds me of Carver, because Carver is my favorite, yeah. Carver is my favorite uh, writer. Yeah, and he's he, very similar. Yeah. He, like, uh, Carver's so interesting because he, if you haven't read Raymond Carver, he writes primarily short stories. You you should go check out like one of his short stories. I like to think I'm pretty good at figuring out things that are figurative. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of what we do here on the podcast. Yeah. When I read my first Carver story, right over my everything, yeah. <laughs> everything, everything he was trying to say flew right over my head. But I was just so transfixed by the way he wrote and the way he told his story, even though it was a story about a kid catching a fish and going home and showing it to his parents. Mm-hmm. And they, that's like that's you can't really describe it because. I imagine Salinger does the same thing. That's why everybody loves Catcher in the Rye so much is because it's it's just about a moody kid going to New York. Mm-hmm. And Carver does the same thing where it's, all of his stories take place in this kind of suburban, rural part of like the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And they're always about kind of menial things. Yeah. Like one of them's about, like I said, a kid fishing. Another one's about um, a dad going to his son's friend's house and gradually coming to blows with uh, the other dad, his son's friend's dad, and it's just these menial things, but he somehow dissects and brings so much in terms of theme and storytelling yeah, through his writing. I think, I think short stories are actually a source of a lot of like some of the greatest storytelling like literature has ever offered anybody because it's like 
it's such a challenge trying to fit so so much into so so little. Like mm-hmm. most short stories are on average like twenty pages. Yeah. And so you can't really fit an entire like novel kind of story. Some people do it, uh, and it's really cool. But a lot of them just focus on these very simple interactions or very simple stories. Hemingway does it, Carver does it, Salinger does it, uh, a bunch of other people do it as well. And you just have to fit so much meaning into like such a menial thing or yeah. such a trivial thing. And I think it's genius. I think when authors do it, it's just absolutely that just shows their talent. I feel like a lot of uh, short stories just focus on, like, one theme, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, a lot of, like, novels and, like, longer stories focus on, like, many themes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, sort of the longer, I think authors kind of, like, feel that sense of, like, freedom to do whatever they want. Like, I'm writing, like, 500, 600 page novels, and he covers, like, so many different themes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's still very good, but I think... There's something in a short story where it kind of hits you harder. It feels like almost. very much more distilled and pure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I keep going back and forth between this. Like I will always just like novels more, but I can see like you can how, see how why people like short stories. say like short stories. They think that they, they're better. And okay. That's I can me. see why. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've been like the horrible thing about an English major is you don't get to read novels for fun. So like you can only read short stories and some novels. But yeah. The main, the main thing for me is just like I have too much to do. <laughs> I always have too much to do and short stories are always like I can figure it out and I can kind of it's only Get 20 uh like Carver it's like we we had to read a Carver um story for uh English and it takes so much work sometimes oh to figure out a, a short story and like what it means and they're like they're cool little puzzles and i yeah. love and like once you get there like it means so much more like oh you had to God. work for it yeah and especially carver like i can't stress enough yeah like there are two stories i think where i've like gotten it like i know what they are <laughs> and i like i'm pretty proud of that but like other it than takes that you so long it takes though, you so carver. long yeah yeah go read a carver story yeah please i've never read a carver story do yourself a favor what would you talk about yeah, okay. I, I I know it from Birdman. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how I got into Carver because he's the subject of Birdman. Yeah, and don't even get me started about how that works so well for Birdman. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, we should get on something else. Uh, um, actually, I was thinking this was one topic I wanted to bring up. I I really like with story um storytelling how vast a person can make a story. Like uh, whether it's um, John Irving, he usually does like he'll take a character and he'll give you their whole entire life like from start to finish yeah like in garth and then there's like your tolkien's and your george R. R. martin's where sadly i have not read many of those kind of stories but where they like sh- yeah so george R. R. martin i like how he, he can make a, a whole world and like tolkien how he can make a whole world like yeah cultures and all that stuff and i think it's very i just i for me it's i can't even comprehend like what a person has to do to like make that up but uh, i think it's very good unique storytelling yeah um i just had a few more movies then we can move on to video games uh the departed that's not anything like unconventional but i just i don't know mm-hmm. just an amazing story <laughs> yeah the, way the story progresses is just amazing mm-hmm. the thing the thing yeah i know that's a really good it's just a very good idea yeah i like and the way, I don't know, the way it's built and the, the horror aspects of it are so well done. Mm-hmm. And Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. It's, yeah, a, it's such like, like a, 
it's such a it's a weird concept mm-hmm. not showing the diamond heist in the first place and yeah. showing the aftermath of the, of the diamond heist but it works so well yeah i like how uh, tarantino put it where he's like it's a heist movie without the heist and i thought it was just very very cool yeah and it's so well done just being in one like one location through the mm-hmm. whole movie yeah which is a very tough thing to do yeah like how you can like progress a story if nobody's going anywhere but mm-hmm. I, I like it so okay that was all i had for movies if you guys mm-hmm. have any other movie things before we move on to video mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I think right, I'm Jim. good. Sorry, Jack. What? No, I think I'm good. It's video right, game time. It's hey, video what about me? Because I know video games. Jim said he had all the video games. <laughs> no, I don't have all the video games. I just said I mostly have video games. I um, skipped the story, so I'm fine. <laughs> I like the thing I talked about is like that, like the reason video games are a good medium for like telling a story artistically is because like every time you play, your experience is unique. And it makes it so, like, the story is, like, the Immersive. viewers. Yeah, it's, like, like a part of them. And so, um, like, the thing on the, I had on the list first was the first Legend of Zelda. Because, like, it's not even really a story. So, I guess that's kind of, like, defeats the point of this conversation. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it was, like, you tell your own story by, like, exploring the world that they give you. And they don't tell you. They don't give you any directive or any quest. They're just, like, here's a sword. Go do whatever. Mm. And I think that's, like, a really cool way of just, like, making you tell your own story. Yeah. Uh, like, they, they gave you all the, uh, like, elements, and they just, like, do whatever you want. Mm. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting point, like, bringing up, like, how much a viewer uh, or an audience member can actually interact with yeah. the story. And, like, I think that that is really cool what that medium can do. Because you see other mediums try and, like, bring the viewers in. Like, either breaking the fourth wall or just, like... The very idea of, like, theater... Putting it in 3D. <laughs> putting it in 3D or 4D. Yeah. Or, like, the very idea of theater, like, being able to sort of interact very closely with the actors. But, yeah, no, that's a good point. It's said that, like, um, movies and TV are, like, a passive form of entertainment, whereas video games are, like, an active form mm-hmm. of entertainment. Yeah. I think that's, like, a cool idea. No, yeah, I don't really think about that a lot, but, yeah. And, and like, in the same vein of, like games being open-ended and letting you tell your own story i put in oblivion mm-hmm. true yeah um because yeah bethesda I mean, and stuff yeah, yeah. but mostly fallout just like Skyrim bethesda game oh dude i got fallout 4 for christmas i've been playing a lot of that <laughs> oh yeah talk about it in the in the video game section will we'll get do to we'll get to it and then lastly i had portal i also had portal yeah I had portal 2 mainly i was thinking about like different uh, valve games because i think they're really good at telling a story half-life 2 is one of my favorite games of all time um, but I think Portal is better at storytelling. Still yeah, you still have played. <laughs> I'm halfway through it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Jim, I've been halfway through it for like years now. <laughs> you don't even remember the the story. No, at I this don't. Point. No, yeah, like what you have played. I gotta replay it. Um, but like, what I love about Portal is like I mean, the first game specifically, not the second. Okay, game. Okay. Yeah. Because the second game holds your hand a lot, and I don't like that as much. But the first game, it it does a really good job of teaching you the mechanics of using portals throughout the game in different ways and like new uh, and inventive ways. And then it just like sets you free and it's like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. It's like kill, kill Gladys spoilers yeah. for portal, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a really cool idea because they like basically stop, like they take the training wheels off. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, and the way the storytelling is approached too, like you, you come to um, that's, that's again like this kind of, you come to 
trust Gladys and you come to in terms of the story itself and you come to be you be like safe you feel yeah. like you're safe in this environment it lulls you into like complacency when you're playing the game yeah and then all of a sudden she's trying to kill you and you're like well shit I gotta handle this now yeah yeah and I think uh, video games has like a unique way of uh, telling like horror horror stories like I played I was gonna one of my up. first horror video games uh, at the um, at Extra Life at Extra last. Life yeah um but uh it was it was an odd experience because like with with movies and like literature they they do something different where it's like i have to feel the fear that somebody else is feeling Mm -hmm. whereas video games it's very much your own reaction and your own feelings like when i'm walking down a hallway it's not somebody else like that's compelled to go down a hallway it's me deciding to go you are the deciding not to go yeah yeah. Like you remember, I was just like I couldn't move forward. Like that was my <laughs> own like fear. I was I was petrified. And it was it was just very interesting to me uh, what like video games could do. Something they do a lot, like in movies, or they do it sometimes in movies. Mm-hmm. Like specifically, like uh, a good example is Fight Club. They make the narrator like the the, the narr- narrator doesn't even have a name mm-hmm. in that that uh, movie, and they just like make them really um, like a blank. Uh, surface for you to like insert yourself into Mm -hmm. their position yeah and they have to do that so much more often in video games because they want you to be like exactly i was gonna bring up dead space yeah like they always have like silent protagonists and like people that you can just like insert yourself into them exactly yeah Yeah. i was gonna go off the thing like like relating the thing to dead space yeah in the sense that they play with a lot of the same things not just that the monster is similar but like the way that the the enclosed spaces of the uh, the Antarctic in mm-hmm. um, in the thing and the ship in in Dead Space, but it's it's again approaching that environment that you don't know in the same like nobody's been to the Antarctic and, the, and nobody like kind of knew what to expect of the environment in the thing yeah. in the same way that like the character of Isaac in Dead Space doesn't know what he's getting himself into. He's just like a miner. Yeah, he's just yeah. going onto the ship and. Then he finds out that the aliens are there and they're going to kill him and stuff. I also think that a fantastic horror game is Bioshock. Like the first I was going to bring up Bioshock in terms of relating it to Memento and Noir. Okay. Because it's it's limited perspective and you gradually find out more as the story progresses. Yeah. But it definitely has horror aspects to it. Oh, like it, it's like the sleeper horror game of oh, yeah. like the beginning Forever. of bioshock is horrifying oh my god dude like when i uh, when you first start a bioshock you're given just a wrench and it's like it's just so scary because you know that it's like like really dark in a lot of places and you can't really see your enemies um and you just kind of have to like fight to survive yeah and like you a lot of the time like you get snuck up on and like it's terrifying yeah. horrible yeah that that game traumatized me when we played it like <laughs> when i was a kid mm. yeah but then you go back and play it and realize it's actually one of the most amazing games. Oh, ever yeah, created. absolutely. Sounds like I'm not going to be playing that one. But, uh, <laughs> sounds good. Cool, Jag. Yeah. But it's like, it's kind of noir in the style that it goes for, I'd yeah. say. It starts off horror, but then I kind of, I think it kind of settles into noir a little mm-hmm. bit. It's definitely not like a, a horror tone throughout the whole game. Yeah, no. Because then you get accustomed to your surroundings. Then yeah. It becomes kind of noir and story based. Mm. And um, I had read Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I think it's tough for video games to tell uh, unconventional narratives like movies do, and so I kind of all the all the video games that I wrote down were pretty conventional narratives. Yeah. Obviously, there's indie games that are experimenting with it, 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's still kind of coming into its own as like an uh, like a storytelling medium, medium yeah. at this point still. So like, I'm sure there's more to come with good stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I put Red Dead Redemption, and that's an that's like a, an example of you spend so much time with a character, mm-hmm. and just. The, what Rockstar does with Red Dead Redemption, I think Red Dead Redemption is their best game. I think it's way better than any of the GTAs or anything else, or like L.A. Noir or whatever. I think I'd agree with that. I think it's easily their best game because what they do with the whole challenge aspect, like there are challenges to any open world game, but I don't, I don't know. There's something about go, like going off and picking plants or like hunting animals and stuff like that that makes you become immersed with John Marston yeah. as a, in addition to the story that they're providing for you, mm-hmm. which in its own right is also an amazing story. But this is just adding to this immersive experience and the character of John Marston. He's becoming like this famed legend of the West if you choose to go with those challenges, right. those side quests and stuff, which you totally should do, but you're not forced to do. Yeah. And you'll, you'll get the – you'll get a, a – different but still really good experience if you just kind of follow the story mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but yeah rocks other rockstar games have never really done that for me yeah. <laughs> i don't know red, red Dead redemption totally changed my outlook about games and s- stuff like that mm-hmm. based off an ign review <laughs> ign was like this game's really good and i'm like i'll get this game then <laughs> i have no idea what it is so like that was how you started playing Red Dead? Yeah, they were like, they were like, huh? It looks like GTA in the West, and everybody else was like, it's not GTA in the West. And I'm like, oh well, kind of looks like it. And then I played it, and it's like, it's not GTA in the West. <laughs> um, do you ever feel like you should go back and play Red Dead Revolver? No. Do you ever feel no. <laughs> that game looks garbage. <laughs> honestly, I've seen gameplay of that, and it looks terrible. All right. And there's no relation between the games. Right. Marston isn't even in Red Dead Revolver. Then why do they share like a title because they're like similar aesthetics i guess okay and it's the same studio it's not a traditional sequel i like guess it's kind of like a soft reboot red dead redemption all right yeah anything else you guys want to say about video games i wish i could come up with more non non like traditional narratives yeah like this journey the game journey no i don't know what you're talking about you oh was that, that the ps3, PS3 game? game yeah i remember that that that's pretty non-traditional in the way that that's totally that that's inserting yourself onto a character completely like that's the game developers are entrusting you to insert yourself into this character because no they're they're just kind of nondescript entities that don't speak at all yeah and you're just kind of shoved along this path the entire time and it's more of just an experience than a traditional game art art (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that was the one of the first like obviously there have been stuff beforehand but i think that was the the big defining factor that made people think about video games as an art form yeah a lot of people just like disregarded it completely yeah they're like oh let's get call duty and then journey's (laughs) like hey it can be art i feel like a lot of people bought into it yeah i mean i played it and it was amazing oh yeah yeah okay okay uh last of us too last of us is an amazing didn't play last of us amazing story experience um what are you gonna do it's just been shaking me with every this video entire, this yeah. entire hey we had our literature discussion jack yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a whole podcast <laughs> so um do we want to get into uh I bring up graphic novels oh, uh, yeah. or like comics as well <laughs> absolutely um i just uh just a quick nod to sandman uh i just think it's 
I, I've only read one. I just got. Um, you mean Sandman from Punch Out? Hmm? Sandman from Punch Out? No, I don't know what that means. Okay, cool. <laughs> I got you, Jim. Stop it. Um, but uh, no, I think it's just it's so unique and it's just it's so weird and he keeps like jumping like he makes allusions to different like literary characters and then he makes up his own like odd stuff like the whole idea of like the endless and whatnot and i just think it's cool like take on superheroes yeah and i really liked it like nobody i i couldn't have thought of that of doing uh superheroes quite like that master of dialogue stanley kubrick is like the novice that those movies are always like Stanley Kubrick movies just make me want to go to sleep all the time. You should watch um the one that I think he did well was uh Doctor Strangelove. Oh yeah. Oh okay. And I think like dialogue in, in comedies is different. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think he did a very good job and I think that's part uh partly or probably mostly because of uh Peter Sellers. Yeah. But uh I, I know what you're talking about with like Clockwork Orange and, and all like, that stuff. The Shining and The Shining too. 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, I still need to see that. Yeah. But uh, the Shining, the Shining for me is like I think the the odd dialogue works just because it like adds to like the weirdness yeah. and like the Everything creepiness of this movie. Like stilted. Yeah, like place. people just can't talk, and that makes me even like more scared. Yeah. Like, but uh, like something's wrong here. Yeah. No, but I, I get what you mean. Clockwork Orange. I I really I have it. literally no problems with that movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, mean, I, really, I, like, I can see. It, but like, I don't know. I can see where you're coming from, though. Mm-hmm. And, but I think he makes up for it in just like the way he plays with the camera, and I yeah. think like it's so fun watching him do it. But uh, yeah, I have no complaints with the dialogue in A Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it's it's different. I think like, and I think Kubrick. Wa- the thing is, I think Kubrick wants it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Where it's like Tarantino, like his dialogue's great, and he wants it. But like Kubrick. It's weird, but I think he wants weird. Yeah, right. Like, especially, remember the writer in Clockwork Orange where yeah. he's, like, just overacting, yeah. like, a shit ton? Like, you could tell he wa- that's what he wanted to do. Um, like, even, I remember reading this uh, IMDb fact where it's, like, that actor was, like, uh, he went up to Malcolm McDowell or whatever, and he's, like, are you sure that Kubrick wants me to act this way? And then Malcolm McDowell's, like, yeah, he's, you're fine. But he was like, he was so concerned the entire movie where he's just like, huh. I didn't know he'd want me to do that. But yeah, I, yeah. I get what you mean, Jim. Except for like maybe like Full Metal Jacket. I, st- I still need to see that one. Yeah. 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 It's Kubrick and Hitchcock are my two directors to watch this break. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. That's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to, uh, to Quick Fire News? Bang, bang. Yeah. yeah. Bang, bang. Okay. Right now. Because we're, uh, we're getting getting towards time here oh yeah um do you guys see the x-men apocalypse trailer uh new one isn't the same one that came out a couple weeks ago and we oh. still haven't talked about it yeah <laughs> i thought we talked about it last week did we yeah it was or good at least we watched it beforehand <laughs> with me you sumner and i and you oh no we watched the um never mind yeah you're right <laughs> it was jack what do you think of the x-men apocalypse trailer uh I'm excited. I didn't like Days of Future Past a lot. I think it was all right. I, I think it was all right. I just it. want I want X Men First Class level again. Yeah, but and I Brian don't think I'm ever gonna get that. And not Matthew Vaughn. So yeah. rip. You know, <laughs> Brian Okay, no, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's fine. But you know what? I'm I'm gonna see it in theaters. Why not? Yeah. Um. Uh. So in um. Uh, I can't talk right now. In other movie news, NASA says that they're building that building a Death Star would be way easier out of a pre-made asteroid than metals from the Earth. NASA came out and said that. 
Yeah, Why are they contributing to the Death Star technology? They've seen what it can do. Well, there was a petition for the White House to build a Death Star. A while <laughs> yeah, ago. They, and the Obama administration said it would take eighty-five trillion dollars to build. So <laughs> they were they uh, had to look into it. They're kind of tabling that. Project. Why are they even trying? This is something no, to not. stay away. No, 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 but like, they shouldn't be looking into this. It's some, like the whole. Uh, some people are for the Empire. Why? I don't know. They're but NASA bad was just like NASA was like, hey, uh, this is it'd be easier to make it out of an asteroid than planet metals. I, I think it's dumb. I feel like that sounds like a really obvious solution, and everyone just like, like, oh yeah, shit. I guess you're right. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> in the Star Wars universe like, oh yeah. Well, we made ours out of a planet. Yeah. Darth um, Vader's like, oh god. <laughs> the Emperor's like, went oh. through two of these. Postmortem. He's like, oh no. The Emperor's like, no, no. Like in the ghost. No. <laughs> like their Jedi ghost just like fucking kicking the ground. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe they maybe they made it out of like actual material. To create jobs and it was good for the galaxy yeah the maybe economy hey you never know yeah like, yeah for republic credits exactly yeah it made them more valuable <laughs> okay and um by war start. bonds <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about golden globes at the end here but i, I did want to talk about uh video games and nba pro has has bought a <laughs> has bought a league of legends esports team that's so funny yeah an nba pro is like it's like, hey, esports are a huge industry right now. They're making like millions and millions of dollars. So I'm gonna buy an esports team. Yeah, and that's so fair. We did. Really cool to see like other sports encouraging esports too, because you get a lot of naysayers. Aren't they know. like uh, on ESPN sometimes now too? Yeah, no, uh, the Dota channel. I don't know if League of Legends. I don't think League of Legends was on ESPN, but it probably will be at some point, because League of Legends is huge. Yeah. Yeah. But then, of course, you got the people being like, hey, why is esports on here? Yeah. I'm Screw like, that. Why is golf on there? <laughs> <laughs> or ping pong or pool? Who wants to watch hey. people play no, video games? Pong. Okay. Not ping pong. Quote Jimmy Kimmel. Huh? Nothing. Oh, yeah. There was like a whole big thing about it. How like Jimmy Kimmel came on and he was like, people are watching other people play video games on YouTube. I think that's dumb. And then he it was just like trying to like like fan the flames. like. But, I mean, if you're not a fan of esports, that's that's fine. But, I mean try it it's, just, it's really cool like whether you're in the fighting game community or the moba yeah. like league of legends community mm-hmm. yeah jack's totally with you oh yeah he's down so down it's fun it's I yeah don't know. no it's, it's really like, fun guys play a game. if you're not into real sports then it's it's <laughs> totally Battle a, a good alternative is it good hmm? yeah i think it's good okay i really like it is it worth 60 dollars yeah like even if they had said 100 i'd be like you know what fine <laughs> god damn it take my money but uh no it's like the thing is like i just i played it on a pc when i was like, and yeah. i i feel like people are taking it for granted i'm like don't you remember how like horrible these graphics were yeah. but uh yeah so uh is there any more rapid fire news or we can talk about video games real quick um, tell us your video game news yeah, jack. jack please everyone please play just cause 3 have you played it yes oh, i have it so jealous it is amazing I'm it's like so jealous it's it's really it really is just similar to just cause 2 but it's like any small small complaint you had about just cause 2 is solved in just cause 3 and the graphics are so good and you have a wingsuit which yep. just makes traveling so much better because you don't have to like just fucking sit in your parachute <laughs> seat for like ever but uh no it's just it's so much better than just cause 2 and just cause 2 is so good but uh Everybody will, like, buy it now. Okay. So, 
do All it. Right. I'm hey. Hey Jim. Cool it, dude. I'm serious. I'll I'll do whatever you do it, me. man. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we Love should you, move Jim. on to Golden Globe news yeah. or Golden Globe nominees. Right. So, <clears throat> for best motion motion picture in drama because they have different categories than the Oscars. Yeah. We have Mad Max, Room, Spotlight, The Revenant, and Carol. I haven't seen Carol, Revenant, or Spotlight, so I can't really talk. Yeah, me I haven't seen Revenant or Carol because Revenant's not out, and I missed Carol, and yeah. I need to see it. What is Carol? Seems me. Kate Blanchett movie. Rooney Kate Mara, Blanchett's too. Great. Rooney, okay. Rooney Mara's also in it. Um, I have, Right now, from what I've seen, I give it to Spotlight, but I can see Revenant taking my number one spot because Inuritu is a god. And DiCaprio and Hardy. And DiCaprio, yeah. I so, swear to God, if he doesn't win, <laughs> slept in a bear. He did. He, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely slept <laughs> in a bear. I forgot about that. He almost died like three times. Yep. Uh, best motion picture, musical, or comedy? We have Joy, Spy, The Big Short, The Martian, and Trainwreck. I'm sorry, Spy? Trainwreck. Spy. Trainwreck spy. was way worse than Spy, Jack. It was a train wreck. Trainwreck was terrible. <laughs> even, even I didn't care. This about is that why joke. the Golden Globes. <laughs> But I guess if they're having a comedy category, I can see Spy being in there. I didn't love Spy, but... but it's Melissa McCarthy. Spy wasn't terrible. She's horrible. What? No. <laughs> she's horrible. Melissa McCarthy she's was great in Spy. Person. I don't like anything she's Did in. you see Spy? No. Shut up, then. You shut <laughs> your mouth. Ooh. But still. I didn't love Spy, but come on, dude. Consider Melissa. Jack Gotten. <laughs> Get got. <laughs> Trainwreck was awful, though. I cannot fathom why it's i chuckled at the ending i didn't see the whole thing i just saw the ending the ending was terrible my my parents watched that movie yeah they also said it was horrible it was was awful (laughs) yeah uh so right now i give it to the big short even though i haven't seen joy or the martian you've seen the martian though right jack yep have you seen the martian jim Uh uh-uh i wanted to would you give it to the martian i'm really like confused as to why they're giving it nominations for awards uh i really liked it but I'm still confused. Okay. Um, Those seem like... Actually, it's more just the Matt Damon thing. But, uh, I yeah, I'd give it a nomination for Golden Globes. I don't care. But uh, it was okay. So for Best Actress, we have uh, Sayercy Ronan for Bur- for Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Blanchett for Carol, Rooney Mara for Carol, Brie Larson for Room, and Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Brie Larson. Yeah, no, if they don't give it to Brie Larson, it, this includes the Oscars I as well. I have seen literally none of those other movies. <laughs> it's Brie Larson. I'm and sorry. I'm pretty confident in saying that Brie Larson. Like, we went out of that movie. We just both said, like, I don't care. It's Brie Larson. It's Brie Larson. Like, say what you will. Probably the best performance of the year from yeah. Brie Larson. Uh, for best actor, we have Will Smith for Concussion. <laughs> Okay. Is that, is, that, is that movie actually good? Wait, like, no Golden Globes. Um, I haven't heard any reviews actually. I've heard mad reviews. Football. So, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, and Brian Cranston for Trumbo. I'm giving it. I I haven't even seen it. I'm just giving it to Leo because I want it. <laughs> yeah. He deserves it so God, much. Gotta, I've only seen Trumbo in that list. I got to get up on. He slept Revenant? with a bear. Revenant but, is limited right now. Limited oh, release. Oh, we talked about this at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I want to see the Danish girl just to see Tom Hooper. Yeah. But, but you like Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. I like Eddie Redmayne. You like Alicia Vikander. I do like Alicia Vikander. Um, I'm surprised she's not nominated for Ex Machina. Yeah. Like, I don't think her performance could be better in this than it was in Ex Machina, but you know, her role was somewhat 
not like compared to the actors it wasn't as big i don't what think. in ex machina yeah it was so subtle and too small compared to probably what danish girl is yeah fair, no, fair to, enough. to get a nomination i think she was wonderful i don't want to like disc- discredit her for uh ex machina but um so golden globes are yeah. weird i guess <laughs> My first time kind of covering the Golden Globes, and it's... I'm going to research the comedy drama thing. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Suburbanites podcast. If you like this podcast, you can check out our other one, our other movie podcast. Also, you can follow us on our SoundCloud page to get updates on all of our uploads, including our Star Wars dress on YouTube to stay tuned for when that comes out. And... um, uh, Like us on Facebook for updates on things that aren't our uploads, as well as Twitter... At Suburbanites Pod, you can donate to us on Patreon, and there's a lot of cool perks there if you want to give us money. And thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.